Good morning and welcome to Worship at Woodmont. My name is Chris Cox. I'm the minister to youth and their families here. And we are glad to have you join us this morning. If you are new to Woodmont or have any interest in our church, we encourage you to go to woodmontchristian.org and fill out a form there so that we can send you information about what we're doing here and get to know you a little bit better. In November of 1982, the SMU Mustangs defeated the Texas Tech Red Raiders when Bobby Leach caught a bouncing across the field lateral and sprinted 91 yards to the end zone. An NFL assistant coach by the name of Alan Lowry saw that play and kept it in the back of his mind in case he ever needed to call up a miracle. A little over 17 years later, he had that opportunity. The Buffalo Bills had just kicked a field goal to take the lead with 16 seconds left in their first round playoff game against the Tennessee Titans. The odds of getting through Buffalo's special team to the end zone seemed slim. The Titans needed to get creative. They needed the play that Alan Lowry saw in Texas so many years before. Now, if you're only passingly familiar with the Titans, you know what happened next. Lorenzo Neal fielded the kick, he handed it off to Frank Wycheck. Wycheck ran right and then turned and th- tossed the ball across the field to Kevin Dyson, who scampered 75 yards for the touchdown and the victory. It was not only one of the most memorable endings for the Tennessee Titans, but one of the greatest finishes to a football game in NFL history. Even I, who did not care about the Titans whatsoever at that time, still remember where I was when I first saw the Music City Miracle. And it's just a reminder that sometimes when your back is against the wall, you need to get creative and amazing things might happen. There there was once four individuals who were hoping for something amazing to happen. Not for themselves, but for their paralyzed friend. They had heard about this teacher, a rabbi from Nazareth named Jesus, who had the power to heal people. They had hoped that he might be able to do something for their friend. So they put him on a mat and they carried him to the house where they heard that this miracle worker had set up shop. Yet when they got to the place, their hearts sank. The building was slammed. The house was filled, every single nook and cranny, and people were spilling outside. There was seemingly no way for them to get through and get their friend to Jesus. So what now? I have to wonder, like, what kind of conversation transpired after that? Did they talk about waiting until the crowd thinned out? Did one of the friends want to pack it up and go home? Did they argue about the fact that they should have gotten there earlier? We don't know what they said. All we do know is that there was a sense of urgency among this quartet. They did not know if they would ever get another chance like this. Jesus traveled from town to town, and he may not pass their way again. If they wanted their friend to have this encounter with the miracle worker, this might be their only shot. Their backs were against the wall. Eventually, someone in the group decided they were going to have to get inside. They were going to have to be creative. The idea was going to cause a bit of a disruption, but this was their friend, and he was worth the risk. Now, Imagine that you are on the inside of that house. Luke tells us that Jesus was surrounded by Pharisees and teachers of the law, individuals who were on the higher rungs of the social ladder. Jesus was teaching at the time, and we don't know exactly what he was saying, but we do know that at some point people would have started hearing something above them. And they would have started like giving that look to each other, like, did did you hear that too? The shuffling and murmurs would then grow louder and more consistent until there was a definite ruckus on the roof. Whoever was causing the commotion sounded like they were tearing things apart up there. And suddenly a shaft of light broke into the room and everyone stared up in shock and scandal 
and they saw four sweaty faces peering down at them. And then those faces disappeared and it's replaced by a mat that's being lowered into the house and on it a man who is placed at the feet of Jesus. Now Luke doesn't record the response of the crowd to this brazen act, but I've got to think that there was some consternation concerning this new hole in the ceiling. Who do these people think they are? The nerve of them to tear a hole in someone's roof. It was not proper. It was not what civilized people do. These rabble-rousers were causing a scene. How dare they? Could they not have gone through the proper channels to see Jesus? Could they not have maybe made an appointment to meet with him some other time? I just feel like that there had to have been a few people who did not like what they saw at all. But what Jesus saw was faith. Now, often we think of faith as a confession of belief. The element of belief is certainly part of what was happening here, but it was far deeper than, oh, I believe in Jesus. As Robert Tannehill puts it, this faith that was demonstrated by these four friends, it meant trusting that God can help through Jesus and doing all that is necessary to secure that help. It is the opposite of passivity and shows itself in courageous action. It was a faith that was willing to do the work, to get creative, to get its hands dirty, because there was a possibility of a life-changing encounter with God on the other side. I also wonder if Jesus saw a little bit of what he was about in the courageous action of these four friends. After all, what is incarnation? This idea that God humbly comes to earth in the guise of a human being, other than heaven tearing a hole in earth's ceiling. God lowered God's self down into the mass of humanity in the form of a poor and vulnerable person. It was a gambit, but it was a gambit considered worth the risk because it meant that creation could have this beautiful encounter between us and God. And Jesus continually tore the roof off all sorts of things in his ministry and what he did and who he loved and how he showed us what God was like. This tearing up the roof life of Jesus still resonates today to the point that we meet on this Sunday to talk about it and hopefully to orient our lives around it. Of course, the deeds of these four friends and the deeds of Jesus were courageous acts driven by love. These four individuals loved their friends so much that they were willing to risk whatever happened to them for tearing up somebody's roof. And God loves the world and loved the world so much that Jesus was given to us even though his life eventually ended in suffering and in death. Love makes a scene. Sure, love has its quieter moments, but love compels people to make lavish proposals or stay up all night building toys on Christmas Eve or driving across the country to be with their friends or to spill out into the streets when our neighbors are hurting. Faith driven by love moves us to courageous action. Jesus saw that courageous action and said something that no one in the crowd above or below expected. He turned to the man and said, friends, your sins are forgiven you. That was not what the four friends on the roof came for, and it was certainly not something that the religious leaders thought Jesus was qualified to proclaim. And it is kind of strange. Jesus offers spiritual healing to a man who was very obviously there for to be physically healed. I can hear one of the friends on the roof say, Jesus, come on, man, read the room, see what's going on here. But Jesus seems to understand something that the room did not Throughout his ministry, Jesus seeks to minister to all aspects of an individual. 
he heals the sick and he helps the paralyzed people dance and walk. He restores dignity to those who've been ostracized by their community. He offers forgiveness to those whose journeys have taken them to a dark place. Fred Craddock notes that we often think of a person as composed of these parts of body, mind, feelings, and soul. And perhaps in thinking of those divisions, we miss the fact that Jesus' ministry was to the whole person. Jesus understood that a person who could walk but was still weighed down by sin could not truly move forward. Jesus seemed to understand that the barrier to this paralyzed man's wholeness was this misalignment of his soul and not his perceived disability. After all, Irenaeus said that the glory of God is man fully alive, and one can be fully alive if they are sick or in a wheelchair. But it's hard to be fully alive carrying guilt and regret wherever you go. It is hard to be fully alive when your relationship with God, yourself, and with others are hurting. So in the midst of this conversation over whether Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, Jesus finally says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, and he turns to the man on the mat, he says, I say to you, stand up, and take your bed and go home. And that's just what the man on the mat did. He stood up for the first time in who knows how long. And I just imagine this roar going up from the crowd or maybe this gasp of shock of seeing this guy who couldn't walk suddenly walk. And the crowd that did not let the man in when he was on the mat parted. They made a hole to let him go home. And this man glorified God the entire way home because he had been healed soul and body. Everyone on the roof and in the room, even the religious leaders that were debating with Jesus, was swept up in the awe of this miracle. In that moment, they were all caught up in the electricity of a person fully alive. And in response, they all glorified God. So as I conclude this morning... Let me ask you and let me ask myself, are we fully alive? That doesn't mean are we happy. It doesn't mean is everything good. This is a weird and a difficult season. You know that. People talk about it all the time. We're not going to go over it again. But are you taking care of your heart, your soul, your mind, your body? Are you seeking out the God that cares about every single part of you? Do you have a community that will carry you on the proverbial mat and help you? And are you that friend for someone else? Because we need all of that. We need God. We need to take care of ourselves. We need community. And yes, this season is difficult. It might feel like our backs are against the wall. And so perhaps more to the point of this story that we read this morning Do we have the kind of courageous faith that is going to tear a hole in the ceiling for this? Do we have the the passion and the intentionality to go through all of these obstacles for love of God and love of neighbor? Because life is too short for us to simply wait. We have to be creative. We have to put in the work. We have to get our hands dirty. And so how are you pursuing and seeking to connect with God in your everyday life? Do you believe that God does help us through a relationship with Jesus? And do you try to do whatever necessary to secure that help? Because our faith is not supposed to be this passive thing where we just go to church once a week, get filled up, and then go about our business. 
We need to seek after the one who tore open the ceiling of the sky to be with us and wants us to be fully alive. We need to move ceilings and heaven and earth for the people around us, from members of our congregation who are sick, to our neighbors who feel like the system does not treat them as equals, to those who are hungry, to those who have been devastated by a storm. We need to seek out all the ways in which we can tear through ceilings and help these people because there are so many people on mats who need someone to love them, to stand beside them, to be there for them. Being fully alive involves all these things and it does not happen by accident. Like it did for these four friends, it requires intentionality It requires some creativity. And so let us hold their bold example in our minds because when we find ourselves tearing through ceilings for God and for one another, we might find that a miracle might happen. Amen.